0: You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. Glad to be with you guys here today. My name is Adrian, as you guys uh, saw in this incredible video. Again, that's always, you know, I wish I could just walk around with that video. You know, in my life, just like, well, who are you? Let's check out this video. You know what I mean? I wish I could do that, um, make my life seem a little bit more impressive. But um, again, uh, I am, this is family to me. i want to be really clear. This is family uh, to me here at InFocus. So many of you did not know that you have a crazy black uncle, but now you can tell people you know what I mean? So if you wanna to get to a cookout and they're saying, well, why are you here? You can say, hey, no, 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 my uncle, he's a black man, said I could come. And so just come to the cookout, all right? You know, so just, you know, respect the etiquette of the cookout. But anyway, um, <laughs> but no, I am really excited uh, to be with you guys. I come from Tallahassee, Florida. Um, again, I have the privilege of leading a church called Engage Church. It started uh, eight years ago. There's 18 of us. We started with $10,000, which you don't start a church ever with that. Um, and we planted a church that has grown uh, tremendously. Our church is ethnically split down the middle, politically split down the middle. So it's such a fun time um, to lead our church. But no... Um, Um, our church. It's incredible watching what God has done um, uh, there. And again, I have been married now uh, to love my life. Wendy, for 20 years now. It's crazy. Been married for 20 years. We got three uh, children, um, Jalen, Brooklyn, and Peyton. 16, 13, and 10. And so, um, yeah, it's amazing watching them grow. And one of the things that I do, I always kind of tell people this, is that I'm bi-vocational, uh, not because I have to be, but because I feel called to be. So um, I have started businesses and sold businesses, and then I was so crazy in the middle of a pandemic, you know, because there was nothing going on, right? And so I decided to start another business um, because the businesses that I start, I'm about solving problems and wanting to solve problems. And so everyone talks about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but most of the people who talk about this stuff they talk about theories they aren't practitioners and so what i decided to do is jump in the corporate space to begin to actually figure out how do you solve problems. So I have corporate clients. I'm a senior advisor for a Fortune 500 company and just helping them actually build true, equitable, and inclusive spaces into the world. And again, I always tell people at the end of the day, the answer, what I do, is I just take the kingdom of God and I just bring it to their form to actually help people. Because we're living in a time and we're living in a world right now where what the world needs is this. They need problem solvers. Listen, let me tell you this. Any coward can go on Facebook or Instagram and put all the stuff they wanna put. But at the end of the day, what the world needs is they actually need people who are willing to step in and actually solve problems. Because please understand this, your Facebook post really does not change the world. So you're going to see how this conversation is going to go today, okay? (laughs) I love you. So if you haven't been here before, this is just how I am. I'm sorry. Again, I love you, I wanna say that before. But no, but I'm actually full of hope today. And before I get started, I do wanna say this, and I'm not saying this because I was asked to speak here, but I'm saying it because it means this to me, is I first wanna thank, and I just wanna tell Brent and Carla, like, like thank you for just being incredible humans. Like, you guys are incredible (laughs) human beings. And they don't, listen, I say this, If you find me and someone asks me about Brent and Gerard, like I would say that to anyone not because I'm sitting here on a stage. One of the things that I know is this, I know what they've walked through, I know what they've gone through, and I've had the conversations with them that none of you get to hear. And their deep love for human beings is unbelievable to me. There's very few people I respect that I respect and that inspire me. Very few. And these two people are two people that I respect and I inspire, and they inspire me. So I hope you guys understand the gift that you actually have in them. And so I want to tell you guys, I don't care what they think, but I just want to let you guys know I love you very dearly. So (laughs) that being said, I'm going to pray for us because here's the thing, I had um, prepared to preach something. And so in the midst of COVID, one of the things that happened is I fell into the trap of, you know, we're at home. So I ended up getting a dog. Okay, and so it's gonna make sense in a second. So I got a dog, and which again, you know, I said I'll never get a dog. I got three, I already got three humans running around. I need another one, right? Um, And this dog, and so I ended up getting a dog, and and I was like, no, we're gonna, you know, I I get a dog, and now I'm a full dog dad. I mean, I mean, everything. I treat bark boxes, like the whole deal. Like I'm fully there, like fully there. And so, um, but anyway, the point why I say that is because yesterday I was walking. uh, I get up in the morning, and so I go, and I walk on Florida State's campus really early, and so I take my dog, and so we go walking, and I was walking yesterday, praying for today. Uh, the Lord dropped something different in my heart to share with you guys, and so I want to share that with you. But the one thing I want to say to you in Focus Church is this. This is one of the things that God has said to me, and again, I'm going to explain it to you in a second, is Moses, my servant, is dead. Here's what this means. Joshua got that from God, because what he said was that the last season that you were in, that season is over. And I want you to hear by the Spirit of God, Moses, my servant, is dead. The last season that you guys are in, in general, not just the last couple years, but I'm talking about about the last 15 years, that season is over because God has something incredible for you. There's a promised land that's ahead. We can remember the past. We can remember the past. But let me tell you this, romanticizing your past will make you miss what God is doing in front of you. Older people, we need to hear that. We romanticize our past. Oh, when I grew up, (laughs) these kids today. You realize our parents are saying the same thing about us. Every generation is just a little bit tougher. We seem a little bit tougher than what we used to really be. Anyway, I'm going to pray for us. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We say, come Holy Spirit, reveal God the Father, reveal Jesus the Son. Father, I pray that you would help me to communicate this word. Uh, to these people in the way that actually brings uh, life change. I believe, Lord God, when the word of God is preached, life change will happen. It's not because of the words of a man, but it's the power of the Spirit of God that is here. And so, Father, we invite you in. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The title of my sermon is simply this, is this, I bought a field. I bought a field. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32, I'm going to read two quick verses, starting in verse 8. Jeremiah 32, starting in verse 8. Then just as the Lord had said he would, my cousin Hannibal came and visited me in prison. He said, please buy my fill in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. By law, you have the right to buy it before it's offered to anyone else, so buy it for yourself. Then I knew that the message I'd heard was from the Lord. Verse 9, so I bought the fill in Anathoth, paying Hannibal 17 pieces of silver for it. I signed and sealed the deed of purchase before witnesses weighed out the silver, and I paid him. This is the reading of God's word. About six months before 2020 began, God began to take me to the book of Jeremiah. Five or six years prior, a person who's incredibly significant in my life looked at me and says, I hate to say this to you, but I feel like you have a Jeremiah call in your life. And so he said that, and you know, I was preaching the Bible, so I knew a little bit about Jeremiah. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, if somebody says something to you that you really don't want, you're like, yeah, 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 which means no, 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 right? And so I say yeah, 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 whatever. Well, six months before 2020, God began to speak to me and begin to speak and saying, hey, and when I say speak, not some loud audible voice for forth then just saying, hey, I want you to start studying Jeremiah. And I began to read and study Jeremiah. And so probably for the last, going on two years now, I cannot get past this book. I prepare and preach for other stuff, but in my own time with God, I can't leave this book. And I believe God has put me in this book because he was actually preparing for where actually the world's going to go. See, I want you guys to know this, is what Andy Crouch, the culture commentator says this. He says that 2020 was just the beginning of a long winter. I want you to understand 2020 was just the beginning of a season. We live in a world today that we actually just still think in years, but actually God made the world to have seasons. And what 2020 was the beginning of was a long season across the world. Things have drastically changed. I want you guys to understand we are sitting in changes that none of us have experienced in our lifetime. We are sitting in changes, and let me tell you this, the things aren't going back to what they once were. We live in changes geopolitically right now where everything not only here in America but across the globe has become a culture war. It does not matter if you actually study what is happening politically across the globe. The fact that for a long time in our upbringing that America, and again, I love this nation, I love living here, and there's no other place in this planet I would love to be and to live right here because this is where God has placed me. But America has been this place of where it was a superpower, but what's happening now, we're starting to see the rise of other superpowers. China was in the backdrop. Now they've come to the forefront. We are seeing changes in currency. Fiat currency will change, bitcoin, all this stuff. If you're older, you're like, what is this, right? NFTs, non-fungible tokens for you guys who don't know what that is. Somebody bought an NFT the other, uh, about six months ago, for 69 million dollars. It's a digital piece of art. Not in your house, (laughs) just in the world. (laughs) (laughs) That is where the world is going. Epic Games, uh, for parents, you should know who Epic Games is because of Fortnite, okay? You know, so the creators of Fortnite just raised a billion dollars to create the metaverse. You wanna know what the metaverse is? You ever seen Ready Player One? The movie Ready Player One, go watch it because that's the world we're going into. There's a digital world that's coming. Cryptocurrency isn't going anywhere. We are living in things where our climate is changing right now. I got an alert the other day that right now in Siberia, besides Antarctica, Siberia is the coldest place on the planet, and right now they're experiencing record high temperatures and forest fires. The world is changing before us. Everything in our country right now is a culture war. You can't say anything. We have made wearing masks or not wearing masks about culture and the Constitution or the lack of people caring for those who are older. We have lost our minds. This week, Simone Biles pulling out of the Olympics. And instead of us just having empathy for a 19-year-old young woman, we turn into a culture war. Here's where we first start. They're attacking her because she's a black woman. That's the first argument. And then the other argument, we'll say it's because of the fact of this generation is soft and, you know, and mental health and all these things. Instead of just leading with the fact of, you know what? First of all, it's her own business. Second of all, can we just have empathy for her? Exactly. And what we do is we make it all culture. It's not the fact that she was a black woman, it wasn't the fact that she was on the other side of it, it's because she's some soft whatever, because again, a lot of us have opinions, people who can't even do a cartwheel have a lot of opinions about what she can do. (laughs) You know, Freedom Fighter 45 with the ego avatar on your Twitter handle, like nobody really cares what you think. (laughs) And we live in culture wars, and let me tell you this, here's where we live at right now. We live in a culture where where either you, do, where our world has pushed us to a place where you're going to live in Wokistan or you're going to live in Magistan. And let me tell you this, some of you are Jesus followers and you have taken up residency in Wokistan. And let me tell you this, it's not the kingdom of God. And some of you have taken up residency in Magistan and it's not the kingdom of God. And let me tell you this, at the end of the day, if you take up residency in any one of those places, you are an idolater. Because they both have glimpses of the kingdom of God, but they are both places, they are both saying this, they are things of the kingdom of God, but what they are saying ultimately is that we are building a kingdom without a king. Because what has happened, nothing that we're seeing in America is any different than what we have seen in culture in general. It is Genesis 3. We want to go to radical individualism. Let me wake us up. Both political parties push us to radical individualism. The right don't touch my guns, don't touch my money. The left don't touch my body. And at the end, where does it go? It slips you to a slope is that I'm the master of my own fate? Yeah. And let me tell you this. If you are saying you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, you live under a king. Yes. And so you know what that means? You got to love people who you don't like. This has nothing to do with my sermon. I've got to focus, but I'm just there. But here's why I want to say this to you. It's because at any point that you look at the other side, here's what we do. You know the whole scripture say, oh, don't judge anybody, right? That whole scripture that we use to take way out of context. Here's what happens. We'll say that, but what we don't do is actually look inside to say this. Most of us look at the other side, whatever that side is, and when you look at the other side, here's what you think. You actually think Jesus is right there with you on your side. Oh, yeah, Jesus, you don't like that, do you? <laughs> mm. Bed wet, and liberals. <laughs> Jesus, you don't like them, do you? They're white supremacists. I know I've never talked to them before, but I'm just going to say they're white supremacists. And you think Jesus is on your side. Jesus is actually on the side of people who are blessed as a peacemaker, so we call the sons and daughters of God. Some of you actually need to read your Bible, and some of us actually need to take our Bible and eat our Bible so it'll actually sink into our hearts. Because let me tell you this, Pierce Morgan and Tucker Carlson don't have what it takes to actually push our world forward. Some of you are more influenced by Tucker Carlson, you're more influenced by CNN than you actually are the kingdom of God. Well, good morning, everyone. All right. This whole idea, I bought a field in Anathoth. Now, here's the deal. So I've got to dive into this, this idea of I bought a field and now we're going to get into, I gave you all the doom and gloom, right? Like, let me just tell you this. Because what I'm about to tell you, I'm about to, I believe there's a place of faith that has to come in this place right now. But what I wanted to do is set the tone because this isn't some naming and claiming of prosperity. I want you to understand the world is going to continue to go mad it's going to continue to be really difficult. Please hear me in this, and please prepare yourself. That is where the world is going, okay? And so I just want us all to say that, but I also want to say is this, that even in the midst of crazy, even when the world seems to be burning, even when it does not seem what used to be this way, and, and everyone is all divided, let me tell you, it's always in those places where God actually moves. And so I am not here as someone who's not full of faith. I actually have incredible faith and incredible hope for what is actually ahead because it's in these moments that God actually shows up. But what God is doing this moment, he is separating the real and the fake. Because let me tell you, you can't just kind of half-hearted follow Jesus. You can go jump in your tribe, wherever it is, but at the end of the day, to live as a kingdom man or woman, it is going to take you to be empowered by the Spirit of God. I am full of faith and I am full of faith for this church. But I bought a field. Now, as I told you, I've been stuck in Jeremiah, so I feel like I know everything about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was this young man who gets this call from God. Jeremiah was the son of a priest. So Jeremiah grew up thinking he was going to be a priest. That's just kind of what you did. Just like in those times, listen, before the rise of the internet, you just kind of went in the vein of that, you know, hey, your parents kind of go this, their job, you do this job. So Jeremiah came in the line of a priest. So he thought he was going to be a priest. God shows up and says, no, you're going to be a prophet to the nations. Now, you need to understand this about a prophet, especially in a time when you're a prophet about to bring, about to like communicate judgment upon people, right? Like that wasn't like the hottest LinkedIn profile, right? That wasn't like, you know, when I'm going job search, man, prophet, To tell the nation they suck and that it's about to be awful. Yeah, let me sign up for that. (laughs) But Jeremiah gets a call. And Jeremiah's life was a dream and a nightmare. You guys have heard me say that I get Jeremiah. Jeremiah 18 is one of my favorite passages. Because Jeremiah literally can't stand his calling. But then he turns right back around and says, I have a fire inside my bones. And honestly, that's most of my life. I can't stand my calling, but I love my calling because he gave it to me. Yeah. And so, where we pick up in this story that you read, Jeremiah is actually in prison. So, Jeremiah is in prison, and his cousin shows up to him. And he says, Hey, you have the right because you're from the tribe of Benjamin, Anathoth was his hometown, and it's really where the priests lived. And it was about three miles away from Jerusalem he tells him that hey you can buy this field it's your legal right to buy this field now i want us to be in the story many times we can fly thirty thousand feet above a story let's be inside the story jeremiah is in jail what really is a piece of property about to do for you on top of that you've been prophesying that the babylonians are about to ransack this place and then god shows up and says hey no nah, fam i need you to go buy this field he said there's a field that is there and see, what God was doing in that time for Jeremiah was this, is that actually he wanted Jeremiah to put a deposit down on hope. Jeremiah was not disconnected from reality of what was going to happen, but what God was going to do when he was going to speak to Jeremiah is that, yes, all these things are about to happen. Yes, it's going to get really bad, Jeremiah. Yes, it's got the, 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 the Babylonians are coming, Jeremiah, but I want you to know this, that I'm always going to bring my people back. And so Jeremiah goes, and, and here's what it's about. Will we find ourselves in focused church in this hour as people who will have predictable faith or profound faith? The human disposition is to have predictable faith. Because what we want to do is we want to control our inputs, because if we think we can control our inputs of our faith, then we think we can control the outputs, it goes back to Genesis 3. Our first parents didn't want to live under the thumb of God. I mean they didn't want to live under God's regime anymore. So here's what they wanted. They wanted to do it themselves. And since that point, it has hit every human being that our natural disposition is rebellion. And we want to control. So what we will do is say, no, 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 God, I will do this, and this is the type of faith I will have. This is the type of how I will worship. God, this is what I will do. Yes, God, I will only read this. I will only be around these people. I'll only do these things. Why? Because we feel like if we can control the inputs of our faith, then we actually can control the outputs of it. See, predictable faith never changes the world. Predictable faith just takes us more and more away from Eden. But what God is wanting to build is a profound faith. God wants to build a profound faith faith where people are like, yo, what is that? That's my, you know, version of saying that. Like, that's what I mean. It's like, yo, wait, really? I didn't see that. That's amazing. This idea of profound faith, but what does profound faith actually look like? See, the first thing is this, that we begin to see is this idea from Jeremiah was decisive decisions. So his cousin shows up to him and here's what he says. He shows up and he's like, listen, you have to go and by this field. And Jeremiah doesn't wait. Now, again, put ourselves in the story, y'all, all all right? You're in jail. God already told you the Babylonians are going to ransack this place because I forgot to tell you this part of the story. See, the Babylonians had allowed the people of Israel to live in the land. They were kind of saying, hey, they'd already taken over somewhere, but they said, hey, you guys can still dwell there, have some freedoms. The people of Israel didn't like it because they were so used to living in freedom, doing their own thing. So, the people of Israel decide to make an alliance with Egypt, which is a sermon in itself. It's always amazing how when things get really difficult, we want to go back and make an alliance with the slavery we left. Got to keep moving. All right, now, but Egypt realized they're going against the Babylonians. And you got to understand, the Babylonian army was unbelievable. And so, Egypt got into it, and it's like that SpongeBob meme. All right, I'm going to head out. Like, they just left Israel holding the bag. So Israel, like, we're going to war. And and, and, the Egyptians like, "Mm, we good. And they just left. So now the Babylonians, they simply said this, "Uh uh-uh, we were trying to be nice. Now we're going to decimate this place. And God tells Jeremiah this. See, that's the context. It wasn't like, oh, there's some freedom. He said, this is what's about to happen. But yet still, God tells him to buy his field. And what does Jeremiah do? He instantly goes and he gives his cousin to money to go buy the field. See, profound faith is this idea that you make decisive decisions. You don't hedge your bets. Some of you, you're still hedging your bets if God's called you to be here or not. Either you're in or you're out. And let me tell you this, it's okay. Like, I want want you to hear this. It's okay. Like, we don't own people. You go where God's called you to go, but if your reason for leaving is because it's uncomfortable, then let me tell you this, then you probably will never really grow in your faith because faith has never happened in comfort. Guys, listen to this. I pastor a church, and there's people in my church I don't like. (laughs) I don't like them. I don't like them. Like I would never hang out with them. (laughs) The level of like crazy stuff I get from people sometimes. I have young white women in my church who are so woke, they talk to me, me, seriously, try to talk to me because I really don't have a conversation about the plight of what I need to do to help black people. Oh, sweetie, I'm so happy you're waking up to the plight of the black man. I've been living it for a while now. <laughs> but here's what I realized. They make me uncomfortable, but I have to lean into Jesus to love them. Listen, you will never, lo- listen, you will never grow in the love of God if you're never around people where the Spirit of God has to really change you to love someone you will never get the love of God. And that is why in our country right now, again, on both sides, that there's a lack of empathy and love. is because we just go into tribes, we go into networks, and we're around people. And let me tell you this, and you just go around people and you think, oh, it's a sacrifice. It's not really a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice when I have to sit across someone who legit is someone who's a part, this is, has happened in our church, who is a, confessing me, white supremacist. Not what we think, but really that. And talk to them and love them and watch them come to faith. That we've had in the midst of COVID, people who are part of Antifa, legit, a part of Antifa, come to faith. And we have to love them. And so, some of you have to make decisions of that. Because you keep hedging your bets. The idea to hedge came up in the 1600s. It was this idea that where you would just protect. It was hedges around something to protect. And what we are taught to do many times, if you have, again, if you invest in a market, they'll say, man, make sure you're hedging your bets. If you make a risky, if you're going to make a risky investment, make sure then you're offsetting. You have this balanced portfolio and entrepreneurship, man. If you're going to take this risk, make sure you're mitigating that risk. And many of us in our faith, you're constantly mitigating risk. You're mitigating risk. You're mitigating that, oh, I don't know if I can do that because, God, they could hurt me. Let me tell you, the most dangerous place you'll ever be is in love because love is the most vulnerable place you can be. And some of us we don't make decisive decisions and then what ultimately ended up happening with jeremiah he had to make a decisive decision. he went and bought the field the second thing is this directional obedience directional obedience so jeremiah what he, do? he gives him the money he doesn't sit there and you know in prison say you know what yeah god gave me that word and he didn't tweet about it he didn't drop it on instagram he didn't write a long post about all what God, he learned in his quiet time with God in prison, like he didn't do any of that with his cup of coffee there, you know, and whatever. Like he legit says, God gave him the word, he took the money that he had and he went and bought it. Now, this is what this is equivalent of. Imagine you have $1,000 right now in your account and I show up to you and say, hey, we're about to buy this field, but here's the thing. This field is in the middle of nowhere. It's a swamp land, okay? It's swamp land, alligators are everywhere, bears, cougars, the whole thing. I'm black, I don't do woods like that, okay? So I'd definitely be way out of the state, all right? And so, um, and so all those things, and listen, and yeah, it's far away from civilization. Yeah, you can't really do anything with this land, but it's gonna cost you $975. And you have a thousand in your bank account. Most of us would be like, mm, "Nope, you're gonna hear from God on that one." <laughs> good. You'd have pulled your financial planning like cousin over. You know, hey, yeah, that's not a good. You know, hey, listen, right now, you know, it's not this like this portfolio doesn't need like swamp cougar land. Like, you doesn't need that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But that's what Jeremiah was doing. He literally was going to go buy a piece of property that he could not live in. He couldn't buy like some profit, build a building there where he's going to do like co-working space for like profits. Like he couldn't build a home there. He couldn't do anything there because the Babylonians lived in. The Babylonians literally were on top of his land. They had ransacked his land. Oh, And all the stuff that was going on inside of Jeremiah was simply this. But yet and still, he had directional obedience to go do what God had told him to do. Some of us right now, we decide to go follow God, and why we don't have profound faith is because we say, God, we will go if I see this. God, I'll go if this happens. God, I'll begin to take a step toward my wife if she actually starts to do this, or I'll take a step towards my husband if he actually starts to do this. But yet and still, when God gives you a word, when God begins to move is when his people are willing to just be obedient regardless of what it costs you. <laughs> I don't know where we've got into Christianity, where Christianity doesn't cost you something. And let me tell you this, and what I mean by Christianity costing you something, it's not standing up for your cultural uh, ideology. Some of you have such a strong belief in your cultural ideology, then you do the kingdom of God. And God is sick of it. He is sick of us falling into these paradoxes, or I'm sorry, these worlds and these paradigms. And he's actually saying, who will actually go sacrifice for me? Because it costs you nothing to put something on Facebook. Because last time I checked it's an algorithm. So the only people who see it are the people who are like you. And some of you won't even tell you, God will tell you, hey, go t- have a conversation with that person. Mm, I can't go do that. I know I got an issue with them. And then what you'll do is have the audacity to talk about the gospel. We don't even live the beginning basics of the gospel. The beginning basics of the gospel. You want to know the biggest kingdom ethic. I am studying the Sermon on the Mount because we're about to do a sermon series. This messes me up. And when I read the Sermon on the Mount, I, like, it makes me mad. And like, I get convicted because I'm, like, I don't, like, I've been serving Jesus for 23 years. And I literally do not know. I, like, I love him so much of how patient he is. And I realize how far away I am from him. Here's the biggest output of the kingdom. It's loving your neighbor. Some of you talk so much about the kingdom, but you won't even obey Matthew 18. I have an issue with you, let me go talk to you. Why? Because it's very easy to be a coward behind a keyboard. Because when you're behind a keyboard, you know what you forget? There's another human on the other side. See, why we strip people of human? Listen, the only way you can degrade someone is when you strip them of their humanity. Why we can enslave people? What do we say? They're three fifths. They're property. How you can look at somebody on the other side and listen? I'm going to say some of this is going to bother you, and you're not going to think I'm woke enough or whatever. Here's the thing: when you look on the other side, and the first thing you say about somebody is they're white supremacists without ever knowing them. What you're doing is degrading them. You're pulling them down to survive because now they're a piece of property. Now they're less than human, so I can look down upon them. But when you have to look somebody in your eyes, you know what you realize? They're a human being just like you. They got struggles just like you. They got issues just like you. They got anxieties just like you. They got a child at home who's struggling. And yeah, you know what? They're pushing us on a culture war right now, but deep inside, they're hurting inside because their child has gone wayward. Let me tell you, there's something about when you sit in a room with somebody and you can look them in the eyes, what it does. That's right. This idea, but you have to make these decisions. And here's the third and final thing as a determined hope. Because see, we can say all we want to about, oh man, the future, and and it's great, and I gotta land this plane really fast, okay? Here we go, focus, all right? I saw that little clock there, and that's like, that clock right here is European traffic laws to me, okay? (laughs) What that means is this, it's just very, like, it's just like, it's kinda like, it's like European traffic laws, like if you kinda wanna follow them, you can, you know what I'm saying, Loose suggestion? All right, I'm joking, I'll be done. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) so here's what happens. A determined hope, because I want to say this really quick. You're going to step out and you're going to take a place of faith. You're going to move. You're going to go. You're going to, man, God's going to, he's going to call you guys to begin to go do something. And let me tell you this, it ain't going to be easy. You know what's going to happen? You're going to have to suffer. But there's a determined hope. See, in chapter 14, and this is when I get really excited, chapter four, I'm sorry, in verse 14 of of chapter 32 of Jeremiah, you can go read it. It said this, it said that Jeremiah got the deed, and here's what happened with the deed. And God told him to take the deed, put it in a vessel, and bury it in the ground. To take the vessel, take a deed, put it in a vessel, and put it in the ground. As I was reading this, you know what it reminded me of? of what Paul writes in 2nd Corinthians about us. 2nd Corinthians says this, I'll read it from the board. We got it? Pull it up. We got it, got it, got it. Here we go. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. So this is vessels containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our greatest power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles. We are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So that life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever so we don't look at the troubles we can see now rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever i love the writing of paul here because at the beginning of it what does he say at the beginning of it he says listen we are like this vessel remember what happened with jeremiah there was a vessel that he put the deed, and what was the deed? He put it on, buried it in the land. And what it was a sign is that he was putting a deposit of hope. What Jeremiah was saying, because everybody probably thought besides his cousin that he was crazy. You just spent all your money to buy a field that you can never inhabit and you already know Jeremiah, are you really a prophet who believes in your prophecy because you said it's about to get awful and it's about to get ugly. But yet until you bought a field and you took the deed and you stuck it in the ground and what Jeremiah was saying and what God wanted him to do this is because it was a sign to the people that no matter what we go through, oh yes, you've messed up. Oh, yes, judgment has come. I'm always going to bring you back home. And so here's what this matters. I want you to hear me. In Ephesians, Paul talks about the spirit being within us. And it's a deposit of the hope. The deposit of this future returning. Church. We are the field at Anathoth. God, if you are following Jesus, He put His marker and deposit in you. And here's why. It's because now the world that's going mad, they're looking for someone to have hope. And we have hope. Why? It's because the Spirit of God is inside of us. God took the deed. He dropped it inside of us. And we are a marker, church. We are a marker that he is going to continue to renew the world. We are a marker that where there's divided parts of our country, we can step into it and begin to be peacemakers. Where there is those who don't have, we can begin to lift up. Where there's places that need answers, we can go. We are the field of Anathoth. Why? It's because Jesus came down he died on the cross horrific death but he resurrected a king giving us his spirit so hear me in focus church hear me in this you are the field of Anathoth in this city where religion was where some of the be careful no I'm not where some religion was things were started denominations were started you're in a city where division has been here And just maybe in Focus Church, just maybe you're the place where the world is like everyone's divided. But I see people from all different walks of life being empowered, being who they are. I see activists, and I see good old boys who hunt, and they dwell together. I see those who voted left and who voted right, and they lived together. That just maybe this church is a deposit in this city that they can begin to say, there's something of hope left in this world. Do you understand? that we are called as his representatives On earth as it is in heaven, we are called to represent what heaven looks like. Why? So when people walk into our spaces, they can taste and see that the Lord is good. It's a foretasting of what heaven will be. It's why the Israelites had to go to the promised land. Why? They went to the promised land to do what? To get fruit from the promised land, to bring it back to them and say, yo, 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 over here, it's really good. And that's what we do is we commune with God. We're friends with God. We walk together because we bring what heaven has and we bring it to this hurt and dying world, and they can taste and see not of the political right or the left, but of the kingdom of God. And what they'll begin to do is say, I don't know if I agree with you, but surely God is with you. Amen. In Focus Church, what will you do? I closed as I pulled in here today. As I pulled up, going to the parking lot. I've been around for Pastor Brent and Carlo when they were thinking about building this building. And even Pastor Brent, like, have it a certain way and then faith was challenged to build it bigger. No one knew COVID was going to happen. No one knew the turmoil of our world was going to happen. None of it. But as I was pulling into this church today and I'm looking at the parking lot and there's this, you got this big parking lot I felt the Lord say Brent Girard didn't realize this but by planning here and building here He put a deposit on hope of what the future will look like. Here's what I mean, it's not about big buildings. It's about actually what this building is going to represent. The season of what's over, I believe that you guys have an incredible future. It won't look like what you think it's gonna look like. But what I will tell you is this, I believe that in the future, you'll have people from all across the city coming to this place. And it won't be people just coming here, but it'll be people coming here to get equipped to be sent to this city, to see this city turned upside down. In Focus Church, you are a sending center to the world, and that is what God is doing. Moses, my servant, is dead. There are some incredible things that have happened in this church over the years that you should celebrate. But the world that's to come, what you guys did in the past, won't sustain for what God's doing in the future. But the question is, will you put a deposit down on hope? Because when you put a deposit down on hope, what you are doing, what is happening when you put a deposit on hope, is things are being constructed in the unseen realities. First of all, will you be all in with Jesus? That's the first thing. Some of you in this room, you hedge your bets with Jesus, and there's no such thing as hedging your bets. Either you're in or you're out. Some of you need to answer that question today. Second is this, what family has God called you to walk in? I'm not here to say you're gonna be a part of this family for the rest of your life. Many of you will be sent, hopefully you won't, you know, I could you'll be sent somewhere. But you know it though, but you're all called to walk with people. The third thing is this, what is God wanting you to put hope in right now? Some of you parents right now, you've lost all hope and God's wanting you, no, no, no. I wanna see profound faith. I want you to put a deposit down. I want you to begin to call that child, begin to pray over that child. Pray the reality of what you know God has spoken to you. Some of you right now in your marriage, it is absolutely, you feel like, yo, we're at the end of our rope. And today, even walking in here, you said, man, God, I'm at the end of my rope. God's wanting to know, will you be willing to put a deposit of hope down? Will you begin to willing to take a step toward your spouse? Some of you right now, you have been at odds with people in your heart, and I want you to hear this by the Spirit of God, you will not go any farther because you'll have blockages relationally. And God wants you to have that conversation. In Focus Church, where we be found as a people with profound faith.